Welcome to the number one podcast covering Michigan State basketball. The Final Four is not in the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I have listened to your guys' podcasts numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold. And Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're gonna lose. Coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to talk about MSU's 92-61 obliteration of the Penn State Nittany Lions. Before we begin, a big thanks to Kenneth Kramit, who is now supporting the show on Substack. Thanks, Kenneth, and all you who support the show financially with one-time gifts and recurring gifts. You guys are the best. If you'd like to help pitch in and help us out, feel free to check out tffinots.com support to get the necessary links. Well, Rod, this was uh, sort of the game we expected from MSU and restarting their 18-game Big Ten Blitz uh, with the blowout win. MSU moves to 1-2 and two in the conference and 11th place. <laughs> Next up is Northwestern and Evanston on, sa- on Sunday. In this game, the Spartans really came out sharp, I felt, uh, played stifling defense, built a 25-point halftime lead uh, at 51-26. That came on the back of a lot of steals. I mean, they had 10 steals in the first half, which led to a lot of easy buckets, really frustrated in line's offense. Penn State was largely discombobulated most of the game, I felt. Um, the second half was a little less clean from State, some careless turnovers, poor shooting. Uh, but I think you know they largely played well enough to cruise in with a stress-free victory. It was, I, I think, in the first half, other than some issues with uh, defensive rebounding, right. it was, well, rebounding at both ends, really. Other than that, and they really weren't as dramatic as they might have seemed watching it, which I'll get to in a bit. But um, other than that, that was that was an unbelievable first half by Michigan it State. It was every half, it was yeah. everything that we've been seeing lately, just more so. Defense was completely dialed in. Um, combination of great positional defense, the way we're used to seeing Michigan State teams play, and then as you mentioned. Very active hands. Um, you know, Michigan State for the game had 13 steals. <laughs> six from Tyson. <laughs> which is, yeah. And I think he had all six in the first half, actually. And I believe, I actually believe 11 were in the first half. Um, it, yeah. But, it but be, anyway, yeah. Um, it was really, that was really impressive. Obviously, the shooting, the ball movement, the commitment to getting into transition, um, despite the fact that it was a an up and down game, the minimization of mistakes. I mean, you just you add it all up, and you really couldn't have asked for more. And honestly, you know, it's as anybody who's played or even just watched basketball for a long time knows when you have a halftime lead of twenty five points. It's generally going to be hard to build much on it or even maintain yeah. it in some in some situations because 
Um, it's just, it's a very, very difficult thing to keep the momentum and sharpness and focus at that peak level for a full 40 minutes. And Michigan State didn't. I mean, they had a stretch kind of in the middle of the second half, which was not great. And it was, I wasn't real thrilled with AJ during that stretch. I, I know others. Yeah, he kind of fogged out a little bit. Yeah. He made a couple, you know, he got mad at Cohen Carr um, for cutting away from where he was. The ball went sailing out of bounds during a stretch where I think they had three turnovers on three straight possessions or maybe it was <laughs> I think maybe I it was think two so, turnovers yeah. and a horribly jacked three by AJ but you know AJ's bitching at Cohen AJ you picked up your dribble 30 feet from the basket by the sideline whose fault is that so yeah other than that stretch though I think Michigan State played uh solid basketball in the second half and as we saw, built upon that halftime lead a little bit. Um, but overall, boy, you, you got to be really happy with their with their effort. Coming back in the Big Ten play, we talked about it in the pregame. This was kind of set up an ideal situation, an opponent that you really do outclass playing them at home in a situation where you really need a win just to get, get one in the win column in the league and start, you know, taking this momentum that they've built into conference play, and boy, they just checked almost every box there is to check in that regard. So really, really good stuff from Michigan State. And I think, you know, we can highlight, you know, it's a career high for Malik Hall, a 24 tied, tied, points. Tied his career high, yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. So it's 9 for 12 That's what the they field, said on the broadcast, at least. I, I didn't verify. Yeah, I, at the Breslin Center, they put up career-high 24 points, so maybe okay. it was a tie. I'm not sure. So, yeah, four for five from the line, five defensive rebounds, four assists, one turnover, <laughs> three steals. I mean, the guy, 27 minutes, he had, he was fantastic. I mean, he, he was, was so comfortable and moves, I mean, moved in rhythm. I I mean, what more can you say about his performance? It was it's really good. And putting it back, back to back with the Indian. And I, I think he's been playing well anyway. The numbers, yeah, even when he's not scored a ton, right. he still has looked good defensively. He's right. been engaged the whole time. The numbers haven't again. always been there, but I think I think the level of play has been, and the numbers have been there in these last two games. I mean, tonight it was great to see a couple threes go for him, uh, but but more important than that, I think, and I'm not I'm not discounting the importance of that, but but I think more important than that is just and and you just touched on it. He just looks so confident. With the ball now, I mean, you look at the yeah. way, look at the way he's operating in the post, and man, at times, and look, uh, it's hard for a six-seven guy to be a, a consistent low post threat. So I'm not, I'm not ready to to declare, well, he's going to be able to do this against everybody in the league the rest of the season. But certainly against certain teams, he can where there are four men he's going up against that he can just kind of physically take it to. And and he's gotten to the point that he just he doesn't rush. Um, you're you're not seeing him as often as he had been, uh, kind of get in those those moments where he's trying to go off the dribble and he gets himself into trouble, you know. Um yeah. uh, over dribbles, dribbles himself into bad positions, into traffic. You're not seeing that stuff as much. Um, it's just, it's all really, really coming together 
for him. And it's a huge deal. I mean, for Michigan State to get that level of play out of him is really important. And no, he's not going to drop 20-plus every night. We know that. But he's giving them point production and rebounding and defense and ball movement. This is two straight games where he's he's really, really doing the job moving the ball and finding teammates, too. So, yeah, yeah just a great game from him. I would say, just from my you know, untrained eye, I, I feel like the spacing has been better, at least – to, at least sure. tonight it was much better. Sure. Uh, and so it gave him room and there, the, there was an inability to get a double there. And when he's one-on-one, I'm very confident with whatever move he wants yeah. to pull. I don't think there are many people who can guard him really well. He doesn't fall away. Like, you know, you see Madi and he's one-on-one. He's, you don't feel confident that he's going to be able to do something. He sometimes does that. He hasn't been doing it in the last couple games. I agree, but that would be... But he even... Even today he had some, he had, I think one, but it's just, it's not like a falling back to what it's, it's a controlled sort of move. I'd, you know, I'd, agree, like a, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. And he, and look, he's capable of hitting fall away jumpers. Oh yeah. Right. So it's not as if it's an automatic, you know, essentially a turnover. Um, he's capable of hitting those shots. It's just, there have been times in his career and even this season where I have felt you know, God, Malik, just go through him, go strong. Well, you saw <laughs> yeah, right. him. You saw him doing that today. It was really impressive. So, um, yeah, he's he's getting it done at a high level. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, and I think just you know, looking over the stats, I there's Tyson was Tyson. I'm sorry from his defensive, which I thought defensively he was fantastic, oh, except yeah. for that little stretch in the second half where kind of everybody blew up. And even there was a little stretch in the first half. And I guess that would be the one thing Xavier Booker really struggled out there. And he did. And I felt like when Michigan State looked out of sorts is it was when he was on both ends of the court, uh, the offensive and defensive end. Part of the time, I think he was playing the five, especially in the he second was. half. He was. And he didn't really know like, oh, I've got to come out and set a screen. I mean, he just looked like he didn't quite know where he was supposed to be. It's great that he got all those minutes. I mean, he played well, how many minutes? He 14. 15 minutes. It yeah. felt, like, yeah. felt like more than that in some ways. But um, so those are good growing pains that he had to go through, but you can definitely see he is a ways to go. Um, but you know, that it, this is a good game, I suppose. You ride, you ride the roller coaster with him right now. That's, that's what it is. So I can point to a couple of things that were really good. His first basket, which came on an offensive rebound, can't remember yes. body, maybe somebody missed a, missed a, a shot fairly close to the rim. And you saw what Xavier's length and athleticism can allow him to do. Um, and it showed that he's a little bit of anticipation, which we yeah. don't always see because for young guys sometimes, and it's case for him, he sometimes looks like he's playing in slow motion because he's not comfortable <laughs> yet. You know, yeah. it's to be expected. Uh, but he made that play. Um, obviously, he hit the three late. Always nice to see a guy hit a shot, but... You know, honestly, with him, confidence is not an issue in terms of shooting. Because he'll mm-hmm. die. I can't recall a single time this year he's passed up a shot that was even halfway good <laughs> for him. <laughs> no. He's he, very willing yeah. to hoist. So confidence is not an issue. It's nice to see the positive result. The negatives were like there were times that his lack of motor showed. Oh, yeah. And he got exploited because of it. I can think of mm-hmm. one time he just got beat 
in transition. Yep. Off is his a, miss three. Yeah, Izzo, exactly. Back, yeah. Izzo lost his mind. Um, <laughs> rightly so. And yep. then there were instances where his strength or lack thereof showed up. There was one time he kind of got blasted. Uh, he had real trouble. There was a stint where um, he was trying to guard uh, Wahab. The Kudus? That's, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's just not... That's just not going to go well. There was one sequence where Wob just kind of blasted him in the post, and you really saw it was really evident, okay, he's not physically there yet um, against guys like that. And so that's going to be yeah. the deal. It, it's going to be a combination of Michigan State finding opportunities for him where they think he can, he can help, and there will be some. I do think that. And what kind of strides he can make on his own to get better. You know, those are the, mm -hmm. those are the two things. I think as Jackson Kohler comes back, as we've talked about a fair amount, um, the equation does get a little tougher and we'll just have to see. I mean, it really, it'll be interesting to me to see how does, how is Jackson holding up, you know, and then kind of related to that, how does Michigan State view, you know, let's, and this is not something Tom Izzo's real big on, but I'm going to use this word anyway. How does he see investing minutes in Kohler versus investing minutes in Booker? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Because I have a feeling right now, as we sit here, or let's go flash forward to Sunday at Northwestern, um, where Kohler might be ready to play. Uh, you know, these neither guy is in a spot where you think, well, we have a right to expect, you know, good, solid production out of them. You might get some, but you, you're not in a spot where you feel super, super confident. So given that, where does it go as the rest of Big Ten play unfolds? You know, or can they find a way to balance that and get them both opportunities enough that we see growth. That would be ideal. I just think it's tough. Yeah. Well, you definitely saw Booker's lack of strength on a lot of the defensive, yep. on the defensive boards. He really just got pushed around. He was, there were a lot of rebounds that he missed yep. and, and one, he kind of just like tapped out. I don't know if he was just hoping to tap it to Holloman or someone. Yeah. Anyway, he also got a, a horrendous, I don't know if you could see it at the game, just a horrendous uh, flagrant foul call. It was awful. There's no business. Well, the being worst called. part about that is there's three minutes left, and yeah. you're like, you know, it's a 25 point game. We're like, let's, right. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. I don't care. Get Make it three well, and just get out of here. In fairness so. to those guys, that's the, in, our, in a sane world, that would be the reaction, which would be, hey, look, it's this is garbage time. Let's just wrap it up. Right. But those guys right. do get graded on every call oh, yeah. Baker missed. So they're interested in getting to do tournament games, et cetera. It makes some sense, uh, but it was still a bad call, in my opinion. He what he did was he went. I'm sure most of our listeners saw it. He kind of swiped across to try to get to the ball, and it and his his arm sort of grazed the kid's headband. It I yeah. did not <laughs> see an angle that suggested that he necessarily even really make contact with his head, but it looked he like might've he might have rubbed his forehead at most. Yeah. right is all I thought. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I you know. Robbie Helmel on the broadcast saying, yeah, letter of the law, I get it, but it's still a play on for me. And that's kind of where I'm at. But I, I understand it, but it was still, it was just a, 
It's a it's a bad situation. You know, whether you want to blame the officials for getting it wrong or blame uh, the officiating committee, the rules committee for in requiring them to enforce nonsense like that. Um, either way, it was dumb. But anyway, as I said, yeah. we rode the roller coaster with with book and, and that's going to kind of be how it is. The only other individual we're talking about, I think, uh, is Jay Nakins. I thought he played a really great game. Only 10 points. So three for eight from the field, two for five from three, hit a couple of free throws, just two rebounds. But he had a steal. He had four assists. A couple, so I thought I mean, he was very active defensively. And so I, I thought he played a really good game. And especially for someone who's not scoring a ton of points, he was yep. really, really engaged. And so I was very impressed all, with his all game. All 10 in the second half. And, and two of those two three-point makes were both step-back threes. And that's something that, you know, we've talked about it. Jaden has that in his game. Yeah. So it's nice to see him going to it, getting rewarded for it, hitting those shots. But I agree with you. And I said at halftime, actually, on the Spartan Mag board, that I love the way he's playing, even though he hasn't scored. He had that yeah. play early in the game where he was in transition. He got the ball on the left wing and uh, found Tyson in the middle for a yes. layup. It was a that was a great pass. pass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, tough bounce pass. And I thought the way he guarded was really impressive. He didn't rack up big rebounding numbers. He only had two of them. But um, overall, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think Jaden played played really really well. Um, I do want to bring up. I want to talk about some other guys though. Um, okay. I thought AJ and I kind of alluded to this. It wasn't a terrible game, but it was the worst game, in my opinion, that he's played in several weeks. The recent stretch. Yeah. yeah. And and I, I think, you know, I mentioned that segment in the second half. Yeah, he was playing with a weird lineup. So maybe you give him a little bit of a mulligan. But, man, you're the point guard. You're supposed to be the guy who elevates those players, you know? Yeah. And he didn't do it. I, I just... There were some positives. I mean, four for seven from the floor, two for four from three. Both of the threes he made were really good shots, came in rhythm, off good ball movement. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was happy to see him take them. He had that one in the second half during that bad stretch, which was an awful shot. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say it's a step back. He had four assists to four turnovers. That's not great. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's a step back, but I didn't think – I didn't think he played to the level he's been playing at. I also didn't see him. I didn't feel he was as insistent as he's been kind of pressing the case, getting the ball into the lane. He did it, but not regularly. I think he was really affected by the fact they got that second. Yeah, he sat early. a lot. He sat a lot. And I, you know, it, again, this is sort of like we, we talked about the Indiana State last game, where Avila or Vila, whoever, <laughs> uh, just never quite got engaged in the game. And I felt like it was the same thing with AJ. He just, yeah. you know, you, he just. I mean, it's excuse. It's not an excuse, sort of explanation. I think it just that's it. Hard to get sort of in the game when he just gets uh, you know, out like that. I mean, I guess the next is Trey Holloman. That's certainly that's where I want twenty three minutes. Yeah, I figured that's where you headed. Five of seven from, Man, from he the was field. Good. Six assists, no turnovers. So he's fourth in the nation in assist to turnover ratio, yeah. five and uh, five point three or something right now. Because he keeps <laughs> ridding these games up. Um Trey Holloman, look, we, we've talked about this. I think we were uh, there were a lot of people 
who seemed to feel that the arrival of Jeremy Fears was going to mean that Trey Holloman didn't play. That was always right. nonsense, and we talked about that in part because yeah, right. Michigan State's going to play guys in the backcourt. They're going to play more than one true guard reserve if they've got the option. And and the second thing was we saw Trey do enough things that Izzo values at a high enough level to know, all right, this guy's going to play some. I will admit, however, I did not see quite this level of offensive confidence coming. And look, he's, I mean, he's there. Right now, at least in the Big Ten, find me a better backup guard than Trey Holloman. I don't think you can. Um, for, for the totality of what he does, the way he defends, the way he makes great decisions consistently, the way he's been shooting the ball. And recently, we've seen, and we saw it a bunch tonight, we've seen more and more of him looking to take the ball into the teeth of the defense, into the lane, yep. and either finish or create for, for teammates there. It's really great to watch. I mean, he to me, he is just continuing to come on and come on and come on. And Michigan State's got them a hell uh, of a backcourt uh, combination with him and the three starters. You know, and if Jeremy Fears was healthy, they it would be insanely good with the level he was playing at. Uh, but it's, it's just a huge deal to have Trey, as you kind of alluded to, on a night where maybe A.J. wasn't at his best, and he was in foul trouble. I mean, you start with just the foul trouble, regardless of how well he was playing. Right. He wasn't mm -hmm. on the floor. And Michigan State didn't lose a step with Trey out there running things in the first half. So very impressive. And how was that offensive rebound laying, sitting yeah. down? And then the bounce pass to Mahdi for yeah. an assist. I mean, that was pretty impressive play, high-level And, high and Mahdi's the other guy I want to touch on briefly. Um, I thought, you know, what do you have, 12 rebounds? Yeah. yeah, two and ten. <laughs> Twelve rebounds, five points. But Mati Sissoko is doing three things very, very well lately. That people who focus on, you know, the occasional fumbled pass or, you know, missed shot uh, aren't, in my opinion at least, are not locked in enough on. One is, and this is a key to him staying on the floor, He's defending much better than he was. He went through a stretch early yes. this season. I didn't think he was defending very well. That has changed. He is very much part of this recent renaissance in Michigan State's defense where they've they've gone from where they were pretty decent early on to something well beyond that lately. Uh, the second thing is he's rebounding. 12 rebounds again tonight. He's just continued um to be that kind of force on the defensive boards, especially. Uh, and they need that. So that's a really good sign that he's doing that with some regularity. Third thing is, while he might not be scoring a ton, um, if you watched that game closely, and it's been true in, in many other games recently too, uh, part of the reason Michigan State's offense is functioning better is – they are getting much better action in screen and roll, in my opinion, from Mahdi and the guards. It's not all Mahdi. Some of it is the guards kind of locked in and utilizing his screens better. The timing's better. Mm -hmm, um, yep. But Mahdi is back to that. That's something he's done before. 
You know, last year we talked about it with Mike Garland. Uh, he's the best screener on the team by a long yeah. shot, and he still is. But I think he's getting back to that level lately. So that's really important. Uh, so you put all yeah. those things together, they're getting really, really good play out of him. There's just no mm-hmm. two ways about it. And it's important. They need it. Yeah, and they score 92 points. They don't need him to score 12, right. 15 points a game. Right, you right. need him to do all those other things, and he did them. Yep, you know? exactly. So it was good stuff. Right, well, speaking of, speaking of Mati, the Squeegee Brothers of Grand Rapids sponsoring the uh, player who cleans the boards best. Who had Mati? So I did. Yeah, it's, that's, uh, so I win, <laughs> I win, <laughs> I win yeah. this Congra- game. But uh, I, we... We we may have to uh, if this continues like this, we may have to change the rules or something like who has the most offensive rebounds because Madi seems like it's the, pretty much the obvious choice at this point going forward as long, if he keeps doing what he's been doing the last few games. Uh, brothers, uh, the Squeegee Brothers, I'm sorry, the Squeegee Squad, uh, they do a great job. Uh, they're coming out to our house a little bit to clean some windows, uh, but they can clean the inside, the outside of your windows. They can do your uh, house washing. They can also do residential, uh, not only residential, but commercial and also high rise. And so they kind of do everything. So if you're in the Grand Rapids area and that's still a wide area, uh, you want to contact the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids. They will take care of all that stuff for you. The stuff that you can't get up. If you don't want to get up on your ladder, which uh, who does, especially this time of year, at which case they'll come out and do it. And, and to I guess mention too, not only do they clean the outside of the windows, if you want, they will clean the inside, they'll clean your screens, they'll clean the windowsills, they'll actually clean everything. Because I think, you know, anyone can sort of put some Windex in a window, but they do everything. And so, you know, if you want really great clean, uh, you want to check out the Squeegee Brothers of Grand Rapids at squeegeebrothers.com slash Grand Rapids slash MI. I think you can find the link underneath. Uh, and then uh, let's talk about the player that Michigan State need to keep in the gutter, brought to you by the Brothers Just Your Gutters. Other guys who get on the ladders, but they just put gutters up. They repair them, they replace them, they clean them out. You need leaf guards. You don't want to have icicles hanging off your uh, gutters and impaling you. Uh, make sure you contact the Brothers Just Your Gutters. They can take care of all that stuff. Again, they don't just do residential. If you have a business, you have gutters. They can do that too. They do small jobs, big jobs, whatever you need done. They come out and do fantastic work, great pricing. Uh, you can get a hold of them at brothersgutters.com. Again, the contact information for the Grand Rapids crew and the Metro Detroit crew can be found beneath in your podcast player or on the website at tiffnots.com. Uh, so the player that Michigan State had to keep in the gutter was uh, Kanye Clary, who uh, the first half, Michigan State did a good job. The second half, uh, not so well. He ended up with 21 points. He's 5 of 10 from the field, 1 for 3 from 3, 10 for 10 at the line, and that's where they did most of his damage. Yeah. So, you know... Five assists, three turnovers, had a steal. So, yeah, what do you think? <laughs> I, I think if we push, if we'd done it at halftime, I would have felt pretty good about it. Yeah, no, right, exactly. I don't, That's think, I I don't think we can claim a push because he did put up um, a little yeah. bit above his scoring average, honestly. But 10 for 10 at the line, they just really struggled to defend him in the second half. Uh, that was disappointing. Um Michigan State. And that was guards. during that stretch. It was a lot of it was, um, but it was it was still it was disappointing to see, and it, it wasn't as if he was doing it against Stephen Izzo. You know, he was doing it against guys. <laughs> right. No, no offense, Stephen, but you know, no, no, he yeah, was but... doing it. He was doing it against guys who are you know Michigan State's key players. 
Mm -hmm. And he was effective in getting by them and forcing contact. So that was, I, I thought there were a couple of questionable calls in there, but most of them were. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's, it's unfortunate, but, but look, you can't, this is a very small issue on a night where MSU just locked down literally everybody else on their team. I mean, yeah. Was, Ace Baldwin was had two points. He's 0 for 7 for the field. Yeah, and I'll tell two, you only something. Only two free throws. I had honestly thought about sure making him this guy because the choice, because uh, Cleary has been their top scorer. Baldwin's number two. But I had thought, um, you know, Baldwin is their top assist guy, and he's kind of their most dynamic player, although you couldn't really tell by tonight. And I no. thought Michigan State did a great job with him, no question. Yeah, they, I mean, they defensively they were just fantastic that first half. Um, they got off to a good start, and then it made everything easy, you know. And Malik was playing well, and so you know, again, like it was just a great, a great game yeah. and start, and a great way to to get hopefully get rolling in the Big Ten until uh, leading up to that Illinois game. Uh, why do we go over the five keys of the game brought to you by nudge printing? And so as listeners of the show know that nudge printing is a fantastic place to get your Spartan apparel. And we're going to do something a little different now. Uh, Gabe is going to have a trivia question and you can go and win. I have an opportunity to win a free t-shirt at nudge printing. So the trivia question is, which, uh, is who is the last Michigan state basketball player to go in the, the top 10 of the NBA draft. So that is a question. So if you know the answer, I mean, you could always look it up on, <laughs> look it up if you want, but uh, so that's the question. So if you wanted an opportunity to win a t-shirt at nudge printing, and again, those are those high quality screen printed uh, shirts, huge selection, all kinds of things, whether it's football, basketball, any sort of vintage shirt, he's got all kinds of things there. Men's shirts, women's shirts. Uh, you can head on over to, nudgeprinting.com slash T-F-F-I-N-O-T-S. So that's that's nudgeprinting.com slash TIFFNUTS. Not only does it have the place to enter in this stuff for the answer to the trivia question and the actual trivia question, uh, you can also um, you can listen to our show there or you can buy other Spartan apparel, obviously, uh, through Nudge Printing. So uh, check it out, answer the question, and we'll see. And then we'll announce a winner in a week. So we'll announce a winner after the Illinois game. So probably sometime like Wednesday next week you have to have the answer and so uh check that out uh we'll begin with the keys to the game number one the glass and this is uh this is one of the worst offensive rebounding teams <laughs> in the country uh they penn state ended up with a 33 percent offensive rebounding rate which is was it a that good high? offensive rebounding rate it was i think did oh, i know you're right you know, you're properly? correct you are 33 yep. percent i mean and yeah 42 the, misses yep the the out of bounds yep. uh <laughs> got four of them or three of them, anyway. Um, yeah, Look, yeah. It was it was funny because, like you said earlier, it didn't seem like that impactful because I felt like they had a number of them early, and I I didn't even remember them because I don't remember them scoring off them. They, so I don't they, know if they just they turned the ball up, after they got the offensive rebounds. They or something. did. They did end up with sixteen second chance points. So that's you know that's an okay. That's a solid conversion rate. Not great, um, but yeah, disappointing by Michigan State. There's no there's no two ways about it. Uh, yeah. And again, this this inconsistency in terms of defensive rebounding. You know, there there are games coming up, including one next week in Champaign against Illinois, a team that rebounds very well offensively. 
where if they can't clean that up, it's going to be a problem and it will cost them. So I don't want to belabor it in a game where they, you know, they won by 31 and look <laughs> easily that yeah. impressive doing it. But man, you, you got to find a way to, um, to clean this up and start consistently game in game out doing the job, you know, at the other end, it was okay. They yeah, thirty-two percent. Uh, right, so it was pretty much a push. But Penn State's a terrible rebounding team. You shouldn't. <laughs> right. That's not a positive. So, kind of a negative in this one. Uh, the one that that came out of this game, I think, but um, you know, obviously did not cost them in any way. Yeah, right. It didn't. It didn't matter. Mainly because Michigan State was shooting so well. I mean, I think when they right. ended up shooting 56% from the field, they were 65% in the first half, 63% from three in the first half. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to trail many games shooting like that, Yeah, uh, especially when Penn State was dreadful. Uh, number two key to the game was chaos. And yeah. this is very interesting because I was turning to my family. I said, you know, Michigan State had no trouble handling the press and the pressure in the first half. Part of that is because Penn State wasn't making any shots, so they <laughs> couldn't really even set up their press. But even when they did, Michigan State had trouble breaking it, but they never attacked it. And I know we had talked before the game that we were thinking Michigan State would sort of punish them. Right out of the gate in the second half, they started really attacking that yeah. press of maybe three or four of the first possessions. And then they kind of get a, got away from it again. Now, a lot of their, they had a ton of fast break points off just all those turnovers and steals and stuff. So, you know, there was plenty of chaos, but it was, it was kind of on, on Penn State's end more than eighth than Michigan State's end. Yeah, uh, I I do think this Penn State did not apply pressure in the same way I expected them to. They did press, but not very much of it no. was trapping. You know, they right. would kind of they would kind of fake show a trap. Yeah, and then right. the guy would peel off, and it would be one on one, and and it just didn't do any damage to Michigan State. So. Um, I think that part didn't really come to fruition as much as I had expected. That said, it was still a fast-paced game, and if you're not careful, you can let things get out of control. They never really did. MSU did end up with 12 turnovers on the game, on the game, but um, you know, a bunch of those came in that terrible stretch in the second half we talked yeah. about. So if you look at the 40 minutes as an entirety for most of that game, Michigan state played very sharply on the offensive end. And even with, with those, they still, I think they had 25, what was it? 25 assists on 36 made baskets. 36, yeah. Right. That's Michigan state basketball, you know, and, and we can, we can talk about, I mean, there were multiple great passes in this game. You know, we talked about the one Jaden made in transition to Tyson Walker. Tyson made one uh, on a one-handed lob to the rim that I'm going to give Tyson a little bit of credit. I probably should give more credit to the fact that Cohen Carr is the greatest leaper in college basketball <laughs> for going up and getting that one and dunking it. But um, still, it, and and there were a bunch of others. I thought um, one of AJ it was either his first or his second made three. Um, there was a great play where Tyson got to the basket kicked the ball in the corner to Malik, who was open. But Malik ended up making the decision to kick it to AJ for maybe an even better look on the win, and he buried it. It was just a lot of 
you know, simple plays that were the right plays and then some spectacular stuff as well. And, you know, again, at a game played at that pace, I didn't feel the 12 turnovers were a big deal. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked before about amount of attempts for Michigan State, the 64 field goal attempts, which is very good. Uh, it's probably about the same sort of pace of of play as last game. Uh, yeah. Although they didn't. They scored a little, and about the same amount of points they scored too, I guess, and you can look at too. Yeah, didn't have nearly as many. 13 free throws. This didn't year. have nearly as many free throw attempts, but. Right. Um, but pretty much, uh, and I think they, well, they had more threes in this game too. Right. So that's why the difference in the, in the points total. Right. Uh, so, all right. So third key to the game, offensive balance. Uh, well, I think, you know, that's, <laughs> I think there was no question that they had really good balance there. I mean, fast break points, they had 20, uh, points of turnovers, 24 point paint points, the paint 42, uh, you know, they, they were, they were, and they had, they didn't shoot a lot of th- threes. I mean, they shot 21, but made 10 of them. So, yeah. although I think actually they had, they shot 22, they only give, they, they said Steven was over one. He was actually over two. They missed one of his, his three, they launched from the logo. <laughs> that was like five feet short of the yeah, but that's okay. They we'll, they did we'll themselves work. some damage in three point shooting department with uh, in the last ten minutes, um, mm-hmm. but uh, not just garbage time either. But um, still, great balance in this game. You know, even with AJ not quite doing as much as I would like to see him in terms of getting the ball into the paint, um, they still had guys. You know, Trey, I talked about. Trey was doing more of that. Tyson did a lot of that. They got a lot of that done from other guys. And then, as we also talked about, they had some post play. Adam Malik, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. was good to see. So, uh, and you mentioned the the fast bake, or fast break production. It was it was exactly what you want. Um, great, great balance offensively, and uh, you have to be really satisfied. And I'm very satisfied because so I just saw Michigan lose to Minnesota at home. Oh, they were losing. We were coming back. Oh, 73, wow. 71. Bye-bye, Man. boys. Well, that, and this is what, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, um, there won't be a single Michigan fan who knows about it since they're right, all getting right. ready for their, their Big Ten an matchup in the final. They had an announced crowd of like 3,000. There's I, I maintain there is no, no worse more front-running fan base in basketball in the Big Ten than that one. <laughs> I'd take Penn State's over theirs. I think so. I, well, Penn State, I don't think most of their, their uh, students rec- realize they have a basketball right. team, so I don't know right. if that would count. I'm exaggerating, uh, right. but only slightly. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so fourth key to the game is contest the three. So Penn State took uh, 29 threes this game. They were they were 10% from the first half. Uh, they improved in the second half to 10.53%, a two for 19. Now they jacked up probably six with their, uh, with their walk-ons on. I mean, they played 14 players in this game. <laughs> they really emptied yeah. the bench, but um, it, even, I mean, they, they didn't have really many good looks. Even they got no. a couple that they hit buried a few, but well, truly just a few. So great job, Michigan state there. I they did. Um, I thought they, I thought they did a very good job. Of um, of not letting guys get wide open, easy looks that could maybe get their confidence built. They did a very good job at contesting pretty much everything, and when you do that, you you're probably going to have good results. Not necessarily always three for twenty nine results, but <laughs> no. but good results. Um, look, 
a lot of weird things were going to have to happen. Penn State, to hang in this game, Penn State was going to have to really be effective from three. They were going to have to force a lot of Michigan State mistakes and turn those into points. And those are not easy things to do. Um, And we saw neither one of them came close to coming to fruition. So when that happens, you get a 31-point loss. Yeah. The only thing they did really well is they were really good from the line, 18 for 22, 82%. Yeah, well... More uh, than half of those in one guy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 10 of 10. 10 of them were from Clary. Uh, well, I guess uh, anything else to add for the about the game? Uh, it was, a, again, really good way to uh, enter the new year, enter back into conference play. And, you know, now, now you can't this. Look, let's not kid ourselves. This was an easy one. Right now, yeah, Penn right. State looks and i think after tonight even though they've got a win already um well that's gonna be a that's gonna be a bad loss for ohio state um yeah well fortunately for them they're at least on the road so that yeah quite as penalized Um, that but you know this was one that you damn well ought to get and you ought to get impressively and they did that so they've got this level of confidence that's been built up now and it continue and they're going to go on the road for the next two. Sunday at Northwestern. Northwestern's coming off a very surprising to me 30-point loss at Illinois without Terrence yeah. Shannon. I was very I thought they I thought Northwestern might be exactly the kind of team capable of giving a point guardless team fits. They did not do that at all. Um Northwestern has obviously they've got a lot of mileage out of beating Purdue. Um, but that's a team you worry about. And Michigan State historically has played very, very well in that building. And they've usually got yeah. a lot of fan support. But, you know, you need, that's the kind of road win you need to get if you're Michigan State. And then, you know, next week, they go to Champaign-Urbana to face Illinois on the road. So, you know, you get this one of the win column, that's great, that's what you need to do. Now you've got the next two road games, and you certainly don't want to do any worse than split them if you're really trying to keep this momentum going. And ideally, you know, look, the Big Ten is just not a great league this year. I think that's, I'm convinced of that. And when I look at it, there's no single game right now that I look at as one that MSU can't win and shouldn't feel confident going into save the game at West Lafayette because it's at West yeah. Lafayette. If they were playing them at Breslin, I'd put that in the you should feel confident column too. So, you know, these are games that I think, they, you know, there are quality teams of the Big Ten. There are not great teams of the Big Ten outside of Purdue. So yeah. you, need to, you need to, if you're trying to build a case, not just for sneaking into the tournament, but for actually salvaging a good solid seed, which I still think is within the realm of possibility for MSU, very much so. Um, you got to take care of business. And so that's where they're at. Um, nice to get this one in the wing column. Now you move on to Northwestern on the road and say, okay, can you respond to this kind of challenge from a very yeah. different kind of team than Penn State has? Uh, last little comments. Izone, the uh, alumni Izone, was there. They're 
excellent. It's weird watching Izzo not looking at their phones all the time. So it was kind of, uh, they were very good. Graham, Graham Couch, and I haven't verified this, but he claimed on Twitter, I'll assume he's right, that Michigan State has won at least nine straight, um, whatever they call them, old zone, whatever they are. The, the <laughs> alumni is zone in, in yeah. front of them. And it does, it does seem to be, I'd have to go back and look over the history of it. It does seem to me anecdotally that the schedule has been relatively kind for a lot of those games. It's usually like soft it teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. But um, nevertheless, it's a hell of a stat. Yeah. And I think actually even on top of that, I think the average margin of victory is well over double digits for yeah. those games too. So they're not even close games usually. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I saw uh, Jeremy Fears moving around pretty good. He has crutches, but he's not, he's just walking regularly, but he has, yeah. either he doesn't know how to use the crutches or anyway, he looks pretty good. Uh, Jackson Kohler was running around, looks fine. And was then Jackson, uh, Garrett Jackson has a, going through the warm up regularly? Uh, uh, yes, he had his, just he, he had the uniform, he had his uniform on and stuff. I don't well, think he, he was listed as questionable for this game. I was just curious. So. Yeah, he um, was. He looked like he was ready to go. I, okay, I'm trying to remember if he's. We we missed the free throw line to start, and then or the uh, layup line, and I wasn't paying attention to be honest <laughs> in the second half. But uh, Garrick Norman is his. He's out. Of, he's out of the boot for what it's worth. So yeah, anyway, that's so good to say. He's back practicing. So yeah, because you so. want him to have the ability to take part, full part in practices. Yeah, scout team and all kind of stuff. Absolutely, right? yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, we'll get out of here and uh, just. Reminder again, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com slash TFFIONOTS. You can answer the trivia question, who is the the last Michigan State basketball player to get drafted in the top 10 in the NBA draft? Uh, then you can win a free t-shirt. So head on over there. Uh, you can go to go to the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids, have them check out your windows or your house or your business or your high rise, whatever you happen to have. You get 15% off if you mention Rebound and you get 24% off, I should mention, at... Uh, at uh, Nudge Printing, if you mention that or type that in at the coupon code. And then finally, the Brothers Adjust Your Gutters, 10% off. I've got to remember all these, these <laughs> too many discounts. I can't remember. I think it's 10% off uh, at Brothers Adjust Your Gutters if you mention Final Four and when you get your estimate. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go green.